ESPN dropped their FBI top 25 rankings and only two Pac-12 teams are on it. So we're discussing which two teams made the cut, Oregon basketball's latest acquisition, and one of UCLA men's basketball stars returning for his senior year. All on today's episode of Locked On Pac-12 Podcast. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Pac-12 Podcast, where we give you everything you need to know about the champion, uh, Conference of Champions. Look, got that messed up already. Uh, thank you so much for making Locked On Pac-12 Podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Cindy Robinson, former Pac-12 student-athlete, and joining us today as my co-host, is Spencer McLaughlin from Locked On Ducks. Um, Spencer kind of is taking over Locked On Pac-12 podcast, if you haven't noticed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like he literally is a lifesaver filling in when I cannot make it and obviously giving you guys great shows. So I'm hoping you all are appreciating his commentary and everything he brings to the show because we love him here. And, you know, we got to talk about some Oregon stuff. In every segment, because it's only fitting while we have the expert here. Um, talking about ESPN's FBI top 25 ranking. I'm still going to call it a way too early one, even though it's not way too early. But in my head, it's way too early. Yeah. <laughs> for the sake of those of you that may get a little discouraged at the fact that only two Pac-12 teams are a part of the top 25. Um, and they're pretty obvious choices, too. So it's a little frustrating. But we'll start at the highest ranking i think that's how you do it yeah and that would be oregon coming in at 23 uh oregon was still one of the most dominant teams last season despite some hiccups here and there and going into this season i feel like it's no different we've kind of talked about um our expectations for oregon utah those two teams this season and oregon for sure has a lot of hype around them with dan lanning coming in the recruiting he's been doing things that we're expecting to see from this team. So it's really no surprise that they made the cut. I am a little bothered by how high they are, um, but also not surprised at the same time. Well, remember they're, they're 23 and, and Utah is, is 15. So higher number, lower ranking for, for Oregon in that FPI for, for ESPN. So Utah, we'll get to Utah in a sec, but you know, on the plus side for the conference of champions that hasn't won a bowl game in the last two years, at least we got two. You know, it's like, I mean, two is better than zero, I guess. Um, it, it's just reflective of the current state of, of Pac-12 football, unfortunately. And hopefully our new commissioner can lead us in a more positive direction than Larry Scott did. Um, because that didn't, that just, that just didn't go very well. Like, to be fair, we're, we're waiting to see those, you know, change, but we also have to give it time. Just like when a president yeah. comes the term, like. You got to give it. Yeah, time. it takes it takes it takes a, it takes a minute, an hour or in this case, several years for for those changes, hopefully to to materialize and then yeah. and then take place. But, you know, it's no surprise that it's Oregon and Utah, right, that they're the only two teams because they've basically been representing the conference on a national level. UCLA stepped into the national spotlight for 
a little bit last year. You know, they, they played Oregon tough on that game day game, of course, to start the year, the big win over LSU. And even if it's a six and six LSU team, it's it's a it was a big deal that the Bruins were able to beat the Tigers because that's just not something that you would ever think should happen when you look at the history of those two programs. And UCLA is the next Pac-12 team in the power rankings. They're down at 34. USC hot on their tails at 36, which I think is the Lincoln-Riley effect because UCLA kind of beat them handily this past year. Like, UCLA is a better team. But Oregon and Utah headlining a list like this is just not a surprise because they're the only teams that have sniffed the playoffs since Washington you know, ha- has fallen off since Chris Peterson left and they mm-hmm. got to the college football playoff, but haven't been really even close to it since then. And Oregon has, you know, gotten close and Utah has gotten close. They both, they both were very close in that 2019 season when the Ducks beat the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game. So right. it's not a surprise to see them where they are. I think they're also placed correctly. I, I, in my view, because yeah. Utah at 15, you know, they're losing a couple pieces, Nephi Sewell and Devin Lloyd. Those are major, major guys on the defensive side of the ball for, for Kyle Whittingham. But yeah. offensively, they've got Cam Rising coming back. They've got a good offensive line. And you don't always have to have the biggest, flashiest names with Kyle Whittingham as your head coach. He's just going to be solid. He's going to show up, win games year in and year out. And I think with the way they beat Oregon, I mean, trounced them last yeah. year <laughs> twice. I yeah. think 76 to 16 was the final. I don't even remember. Like, it was just, it was not even remotely close. I think that's, you know, part of the reason why Utah is ahead of them as they should be. And Oregon, you know, still a 10 game winner from last year with an offensive line back and some skill position guys. Question marks all over the roster for sure. I think that's why they don't crack the top 20, but I also think that that's why they shouldn't. Yeah. And like you said, uh, Utah falling in where they fell in made sense. They weren't able to secure that Rose Bowl win. So had they won, they probably would have been even higher and had higher hopes for, you know, bringing the Pac-12 a little more national prominence. But it's okay. I feel like football is just one of those sports when it comes to the Pac-12 that it's a little difficult because the same teams aren't consistently winning. Some are, but like, you know, a majority is not, that's not the case. And it happens to be that it's just so competitive. We see the most craziest upsets in um, Pac-12 college football over, I think, any other conference, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, going into the season, I feel like you have to kind of have like a mindset of, you know, the rankings are there, but not pay too much attention to it and focus more on your game, competing well against the Pac-12 and making best is what you can with whatever national attention you get. Yeah, um, and the and the FPI, remember, that's football power index. So what, what they're saying there is their assessment of the rosters as they currently stand, they'd have Utah at 15 and Oregon at 23. Now, if you had a preseason poll, yeah, they'd probably be around that area, but there's going to be some variance because then you're introducing subjectivity in people's opinions, right? Whereas yeah. this is just... Um, a, a metrically based format that they're using to calculate, you know, based on the players coming back and strength of the roster and, and how they performed last year as well. I think that all factors into it, but that that's where they've got him. I think it's, you know, about where they should be in, in the preseason. I thought yeah. UCLA was actually a little bit low. Now the Bruins have had a couple of transfers, but 
I thought they'd be a little closer to the top 25. They were in eight They're wins. Not, they don't care about DTR coming back. They said, we don't care. It's still not. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the number one thing is that's a big time playmaker in the conference. And UCLA's offensive line should also be good again. They've got Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown, I believe, are both coming back for, yeah. for Chip Kelly in that offense. They do lose Greg Dulcich to the NFL and Chase Coder, the transfer portal, but they're still going to have some electric playmakers. Chip knows how to recruit those speed guys like Kaz Allen and Kyle Phillips. And, you know, I just think that they're going to score points and they've got a new defensive coordinator, which, oh my gosh, did they need because their defense was atrocious. Under, Look, under Spencer the- is going to go in on. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could, him. <laughs> I could, I could, I could give you, I could give you 20 minutes on why UCLA's defensive philosophy has been so flawed for, we'll for, save that for another years. episode, but we you just, you just, just know it was not good. They needed to make a change. And, and they finally did, which I think is good. So I thought they would at least crack the top 30 um, and USC being at 36. That That's just the Lincoln Riley effect straight up. Yeah, um, I will say as the season or we get closer to the season, we'll dive deeper into the teams and what we can expect from them going into the start of camp and preseason, all of that good stuff. Um, I know Spencer has a million and one thoughts, so it'll be good shows for sure. Coming up next, Spencer and I are going to dive into uh this whole transfer portal situation, you know, we're seeing a lot of things happen there. Oregon has a new exciting player joining the basketball team. So can't wait to talk about that. All right. So all this info we're giving you about football and preparing for the football season, you need to take all of that and head on over to betonline.net. It is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the major league baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Pac-12 Podcast your first listen every day. Now for a big announcement. Starting Thursday, April 28th, tune into Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked On NFL Mock Draft, special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show all week leading up to the first pick. Locked On NFL Draft Live can be found on the Locked On NFL Draft YouTube page, and Odyssey NFL Mock Draft can be found on Odyssey and Locked On NFL Draft podcast feeds. Make sure you check out Locked On NFL Draft Live on April 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern, April 29th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and April 30th, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And then Odyssey NFL Mock Draft on April 18th, the 22nd, and the 25th. Okay, so, you know, we've been doing this whole keeping up with basketball still. You know, it's the college season is over. 
But NBA is still happening, so you know we're still kind of in the mix in mind of basketball. We sleep in May, Cindy. Right, we sleep right. Sleep in Literally. May. I don't even know if we do that, quite honestly, because then WNBA starts, and I kind of feel a little torn to like pay attention. You know, you got to give the girls some love. Um, and we then never have, sleep then. You have the NFL draft. Like it's just too much. It's too much. Yeah. I know. But either way, um, while we're still focusing on college basketball in a sense and moves that are being made, Oregon has acquired a new player and that is Keyshawn Bartholomew. I hope I said that right. Um, straight out of Colorado. Spencer was super excited about this pick and I'm ready to hear why because I don't know a lot about Keyshawn. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, um, but let Spencer take it away. <laughs> so he's a guy who got to Colorado and didn't play a ton his freshman year, just averaged a couple points a game. But then he popped in his sophomore season. He averaged 11 points a game, 42% from the floor, which is a solid percentage for a guard at the college level. And he shot it just under 35% from beyond the arc. And I, I wasn't expecting him to enter the transfer portal. He was a guy who was a really effective player. He started 28 of Colorado's, I believe, 33 games this year, or 28 of 34. So he was a regular in the starting lineup for Tad Boyle and you know, this is just not a move that a lot of people saw coming, but he was visiting Ohio State. He was visiting Oregon and he ended up choosing the Ducks. Now, there's two pieces of news here. Number one, that Bartholomew is coming to Oregon and that casts doubt on the future of Will Richardson. I said on Locked on Ducks a few weeks ago, I thought Will Richardson's time at Oregon had come to an end. It just kind of felt like there was some finality there. I'd expect him to, you know, probably enter the transfer portal and play one year somewhere else before trying to make it into the NBA. I think for, on an individual level, that's what would be best for Oregon's leading scorer from this past season, who has had an outstanding career with the Ducks. And Bartholomew is a point guard, and he is a guy who started a lot of games. And so it seems strange to me that after Davion Harmon, another guard for the Ducks, who announced that he's coming back to Oregon next year, if you're having both of those guys on the roster, it would just seem weird if Will Richardson was also coming back, that's a lot of ball handlers who are already there. And Oregon just tried the whole three guard rotation this year with Jacob Young, Davion Harmon, Will Richardson. It didn't go very well. They missed the tournament. Now they won 20 games. And, you know, there are a lot of schools, Oregon State, that would kill to win 20 games in a basketball yeah. season, regardless of whether or not you make the big dance. But the standards at Oregon are, are higher in that sense. So I would think it leads to Will Richardson leaving. But the other thing that Bartholomew said is that he's really good friends with Oregon forward and Syracuse transfer Quincy Garrier, who he uh -oh. said is indeed coming back to the team. So there was all this uncertainty after the Ducks season ended when Dana Altman made some comments, you know, and didn't directly call out any one guy, but basically said the work ethic of this year's team wasn't where it has been in past years. And he didn't yeah. have to push guys out of the gym as he, as he's done in previous seasons and that, you know, it just wasn't there. And I think that reflected in the ducks sort of middling efforts on nights against inferior opponents like Cal and Arizona state, the latter mm -hmm. of whom they lost to twice. So if Gary a is well, Gary a is back. Bartholomew is here. Davion Harmon is back. Frank Kepnong is leaving the program. Eric Williams leaving Jacob young, leaving there's now a lot of roster turnover, and we're starting to get a clearer picture of what the team's going to look like for the 2022-23 college basketball season. The other element with the backcourt that's interesting here is that five-star point guard Dior Johnson is coming in the class of 2022 alongside the headline recruit of this class for Dana Altman, Kel L. Ware. So, again, going back to the crowded backcourt thing, Harmon started all but one game this year for the Ducks. 
Bartholomew started all but a handful for Colorado and had a lot of success. And then you have a five-star point guard coming in who is a top 25 recruit in the class of 2022. I don't know how you fit another guard into that rotation. Maybe you don't. They- it becomes a thing of you're here for in case of injuries. <laughs> like Yeah, but that, see, I don't think that's a selling point for a guy like Will Richardson who has yeah. the size, not the all-around game at this point, but has the size and athleticism to maybe play – you know, or carve out a backup point guard role for himself somewhere in the NBA or kind of be a hybrid. I don't know that that's a really strong selling point, and he has been undecided, and Vali Dante is also undecided. Those are kind of the two biggest names from last year's team for the Ducks that that we don't know officially right now. The expectation is Dante will be back, especially with Kepnong's departure. They were very similar guys, so Kepnong leaves. You insert another seven-footer in the freshman Kella Ware coming in who's, you know, got a lot of Duck fans excited in the basketball sense, but it's just, I I just see it as being too crowded. And at this point, I'll be really surprised if Will Richardson does come back to the Ducks. But, you know, if he does what I expect and and he moves on either to go pro or play his final year of eligibility elsewhere, it looks like the Ducks will be in good hands with a guy who had a lot of success and took a big leap forward this past year with the Buffs. And now we'll get to go play with, with his old pal, Quincy Gary at Oregon. All right. I feel like Spencer just gave us everything we needed to know about uh, Oregon basketball for the next however many months. It's going to be a minute before we dive back into basketball for real, for real. But I could easily see a bunch of changes happen since then. Um, So something to look out for Oregon fans is if Will Richardson decides to actually make a return or not, whether that be hopping into the transfer portal or is he eligible to now go pro, take his stuff overseas. Yeah, no, yeah, he he can. He's played for four years at Oregon. Okay. He gets the free COVID year. That's why he can have a fifth, and he can have that fifth at Oregon, or, or he could have, Oregon. yeah, or he could go and and play somewhere else. I guess theoretically, if he wanted to, he could have the fifth at Oregon and then be a grad transfer somewhere else and play six years of college basketball, which is crazy. But I I don't I don't foresee him doing that. But I mean, it's worth it if you feel like you're not going to get played somewhere else. I mean, if you're not going to make it pro and, you know, maybe, maybe. And, you know, whether or not he could make it to the NBA right now, I think is an iffy proposition. But could he go play somewhere in Europe or Australia? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Good enough. He's an all 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 conference caliber player. And if and I think when he does hop into the portal, it'll be something to discuss here on the pod because any Pac-12 team or any college basketball team, frankly, should want Will Richardson. Right, right, right. All right, coming up next, we will discuss another Pac-12 basketball player who is sticking around for his senior year, and I think Bruin fans will be very excited to hear who this is. Very much so. Yes, 100%. Okay, so while we are uh, on the subject of basketball, it's only right that we discuss – Jaime Hawkes deciding to return to UCLA for his senior year. Um, the one thing that I knew immediately reading this that Bruin fans would love is that he is a player that has been dang near like the center of this Bruins team, especially since their head coach took over. Um, it's almost too like, you know, having that veteran presence, especially when it comes to basketball, sets you up for success. Now, this season, they it didn't end how they wanted it to. That's very clear. Um, they had some upset situations that I'm sure they didn't see coming at the hands of Oregon um, and some more stuff in the NCAA tournament. But 
knowing that Jaime is returning is like the same situation that they had last year, knowing Johnny Juzang was returning. It was the hope for the future, hope for the season, and the desire to actually make it further in the tournament. Now let's hope that they actually capitalize on having him return and make it further along in the tournament than what they were able to accomplish this season. Yeah, so UCLA basketball, much like Oregon basketball a month ago, has kind of, is kind of in this limbo phase in terms of who's coming back or who's leaving. And so, you know, Jules Bernard, Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell, how many of those guys are going to end up returning? But if you know Hawkes is there, that's at least a starting point. And I, I would expect – I haven't seen anything. Um, so if, if I'm out of the loop on this, everybody, feel free to hop in the YouTube comments and correct me. I haven't seen anything about a guy like Tiger Campbell leaving, and I think he, he's someone who could come back. And if you're starting – a core to, you know, kind of rebuild and reboot. I bet you Juzang goes to the NBA if, if he hasn't declared already. If you're looking to start a core, there's a lot worse ways that you could begin than Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez. Again, that's if Campbell comes back. But Jaquez is is one of those GGs for a team. He's a glue guy. At, like, he, he's just the, the energy, the do-it-all, plays defense. What I love most about his game, honestly – he knows what he is and what he isn't. He never tries to do something that you don't think he's capable of doing. And where he dominates is in the mid-range and in the mid-post area. That is where he gets the ball. He doesn't want to step out and you know force a three-pointer. He can hit one every now and then, but that's not his game. What he wants to do is play defense, facilitate a little bit, make the hustle plays, and then take some one-on-one opportunities because usually you hear a guy like that and he's only going to average six, seven points a game. Jaime Hawkins can go out and drop 20, 25 on any given night because he gets in that mid-range high post area. He's a tough guard. He is a tough, tough guard at 6'6". And he's very, very nimble, but he's strong. His fadeaway is filthy good. He's just the sort of, I would take him on any college basketball team, anyone, UCLA, Defending national champion Kansas, Gonzaga, you name the program. Anyone would want Jaime Hawkins on their team. And I think their head coach, Mick Cronin, is, you know, I, I'm sure he's publicly happy about it. But inside, I'm sure he's gleeful like a little kid knowing that, he, that he's going to have Hawkins back. Because you made a great point as well. Veteran leadership, especially nowadays in college basketball, where you can not only go one and done, but have the freebie one-time transfer to leave the program, it's hard to come by. It does not happen. It does not happen. That's one of the one sports that I feel like, and it's obviously on the men's side, that's not the same case with the women, but on the men's side, that is a complaint about the college atmosphere because those top-tier schools are constantly churning out one and dones. And you're never really creating that chemistry on the team because – it's hard. a new person. Yeah, it's a rotation. Yeah, um, it, it's a different lineup of guys each year that, that college basketball coaches have to work with. And you're right. It's much more prominent on the men's side than on the women's side. I mean, if you had a team with the equivalent talent of Stanford women's basketball on the men's side, none of them would have been back this year. No, no, they all would have gone to the they all would have gone pro because they all, you know, th- think that they would have gotten drafted and had high career and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But like a Haley Jones caliber, a Cam Brink. Like they wouldn't have come back. There's just yep. no way that 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 would have happened on the men's side because that's the state of the game. And you know, college basketball is the only major college sport, football and baseball being the other ones that doesn't have a two plus year requirement. In baseball, yeah. it's two, and in college football, it's three. And so that's how you get the one and done because 
it's it's just kind of the culture of basketball that guys think they're ready. They they're never as prepared as they think they are. And they nice. get to the pros and realize that, oh, I have a long way to go in terms of growing my game. And so it, it's, happened, it's happened time and time again. And speaking of UCLA, you need to look no further than Shabazz Muhammad, who was this superstar all around recruit for the Bruins, who was one and done. He had, you know, a good year at UCLA, but he wasn't dominating or anything. He had all this hype. He clearly been told by people like, yeah, you're ready to go to the NBA. And guess what? His career flamed out because he got there and he wasn't ready. And so you're trying to develop against professionals as opposed to trying to develop your game against college players. And so that's the downside of the one and done even being an option. I understand why guys go to the NBA, but I also think that looking back for a guy like that, I wonder if he wouldn't have stayed around now in the era of NIL where he could make a little bit of money. And if you're that if you're that big of, of a recruit or that sort of guy, you can do that, you know, if that's the primary driver that's sending guys to the NBA. So this is just a great, great move for for UCLA. And, you know, Hawk is not a guy who has great pro prospects a, a, as a player. And so he, he's just he's the quintessential college basketball coaches looking for productive, working hard team guy who wants to play college basketball for several years and that's exactly what Mick Cronin has down there in LA yeah yeah while we're talking about going to the NBA and all that good stuff I just want to give a shout out to Evan Mobley for his phenomenal rookie season uh we don't really see yeah. that from a lot of Pac-12 players yeah yeah that was that it's was something really to acknowledge for sure. Yeah. Like, and you don't uh, really see that that often going back to what we were just saying. You don't really see that from a lot of rookies, yeah. frankly, you know, who were yeah. able to influence their team in a way that leads to winning quickly. That's a rarity nowadays in the NBA because the college is churning out these one and done guys who get drafted because of their physical gifts and because of their potential, but not because of their current ability. And they're yeah. 19, 20 year old guys who are going up against players in their late twenties, early thirties, who yeah. believe it or not, know a thing or two about basketball that those young guys do not. They've been in the weight room longer. They've kept, they've taken care of their bodies longer. The NBA, much more of a grind to the season than, than college basketball is. There, there's a myriad of factors in play there that, that make young players not as impactful as they used to be. And okay. so you're, you're very on, you're 100% right to point out Evan Mobley had one heck of a rookie season. It was really, really good. And not, not surprising as to why he and he and the Trojans got to, got to the elite eight last season. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, that is enough uh, Pac-12 talk for the day. Uh, Spencer, as usual, love having you on. Love talking with Always. you about Pac-12 sports. Uh, we'll have another good conversation for you guys tomorrow. Plenty um, of content. Yeah, we are, we're racking it up. We're getting it prepared and ready. Um, Off-season is a myth, everybody. Off-season is a total myth. Doesn't, it doesn't actually happen. It doesn't happen at all. Um Thank you again for your insight. Thank you all for making Locked on Pac-12 podcast your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. 
It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And if you cannot get enough of Spencer, which, you know, who could? Uh, you can check him out on Locked on Ducks on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. And you can also get him wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Locked on Ducks and at Smalls underscore 55. And you can check out Locked on Pac-12 podcast at LO underscore Pac-12 and me at underscore Cindy Robinson. I'm sorry, guys, I don't tweet as often. I have this like theme when you work in social, you don't really care about your own social. It just gets so difficult. Um, but other than that, make sure you guys continue to stay locked on Pac-12 on the Locked On Network.